0: This is the podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Green Pulse, a podcast series by The Straits Times, where we analyse the beats of the changing environment, from biodiversity conservation to climate change. I'm your host, Audrey Tan, and I cover science and environment for The Straits Times. My co-host is David Fogarty.
1: Hi, I'm David, and I'm the Climate Change Editor at The Straits Times.
0: It is April 29, and today we are going to talk about Spiracy. This recently released Netflix film has basically one underlying message. Let's stop eating seafood because industrial fishing is killing the oceans. But is this really the case and is there a way to ensure access to seafood protein without depleting the seas? Our guest today is an aquaculture expert, Professor Dean Jerry from the Singapore campus of the James Cook University. Welcome Dean to the show.
2: Thank you very much. My pleasure to be here. So I work in the area of aquaculture research So I primarily try and develop new technologies and innovations that let the aquaculture industry produce more sustainable product to help feed the world. So I'm really driven by trying to uh, move the aquaculture industry in a direction where it can be uh, and remain a major contributor to global human protein supply.
1: So, before we drill down into the message behind the film uh, *Seaspiracy*, um, can you give us some uh, background? For example, you know, what's the current state of global seafood consumption?
2: Currently, global seafood production, if we account in both the wild fisheries and aquaculture uh, contribution to that, is quite large. It's actually about thirty-five percent of our total human protein supply. It sits at about 180 million tonnes, and this includes things like fish, crustaceans, mollusks, and and seaweed, like 180 million tonnes. To give a bit of perspective to that is that poultry production is about 132 million tonnes, pork is 106, and beef, which people consider maybe is a major industry, is only 71 million million tons so the production and consumption of seafood is a major contributor to the human diet globally
0: so seaspiracy raised many points but if you could just zoom into this angle on like seafood demand how accurate is the situation as portrayed in in the movie is the demand for seafood really emptying the oceans
2: well it's hard to really judge the the situation as portrayed by Seaspiracy at a global level. And certainly there probably are some of the issues raised in the documentary exist as bad practices. And I think it needs to be acknowledged that any food production sector will have some sort of environmental and social footprint. And uh, so we shouldn't be definitely been super emotive about uh, the seafood production sector in isolation of general food uh, production. But the assertion that the demand for seafood is empty in the seas is really hard to accept as since about 1990, actually global capture fisheries have stabilised and there has been no increase in seafood harvest from the oceans since 1990. Over that time, however, what we have seen is that the demand for seafood in connection to the growing human population has continued to rise. So in about 1990, about uh, 100 million tonnes of seafood was consumed and now as I mentioned the demand is about 180 without that excess harvest coming from the oceans which has not occurred actually this is where aquaculture has come in to its uh, major contribution to the human protein diet um, supply Now, it has grown to fill that gap of 80 million tons so now, actually, what we are seeing is that aquaculture and wild fisheries each supply about 50% of the total seafood production. So, in the documentary, the assertion that uh, the wild fisheries are emptying the oceans is not really um, seen in the statistics of, of, of what we are seeing in terms of capture fisheries. As I mentioned, they, they have stabilised since 1999, they have not grown in their production.
1: Now another issue that the film tried to raise is there is no such thing as sustainable wild caught seafood. So, Dean, do you agree with this view?
2: I don't agree with that at all. And I thought the explanation by the the Director General of the European Union Fisheries and how he explained the concept of sustainability was was very very um, clearly defined as a sustainable fisheries one where the base capital of the fishery, so the, the, the population numbers uh, remain st- at least stable at a base level and you're not drawing down and harvesting more animals from that population than is being replaced. And there are now many, many fisheries globally where this is the case. And some of these for example, are the Patagonian two fish, fishery in the Southern Oceans. Uh, here in Australia, for instance, uh, the, the prawn, the wild prawn fishery in the Gulf of Carpentaria is, is managed extremely sustainably. And there's lots of these, these fisheries and artisanal fisheries as well that don't rely on the industrial scale species that we might see uh, you know, in a lot of the markets. They're, they're quite sustainable. There are some fisheries which are heavily exploited and uh, probably need to be managed better to bring them to sustainable levels, but certainly the assertion that all fisheries are not sustainable is is, is not actually um, played out by the, the the facts.
0: I was just wondering whether you could share whether anyone in Singapore can determine whether you know the kind of seafood product that they're buying off the shelf is sustainable or not.
2: Yeah, that is that is more difficult because. The only way you could really do it would be to uh, dig deep into the source of that product and where it had been certified uh, as coming from an environmental sustainable fishery. And, of course, there were issues raised by Seaspiracy about maybe conflicts of interest in that certification uh, process. But And the other issue is around labelling. There is actually a lot of seafood fraud that goes on uh, where there's mislabeling and the product is sold as this, but it's actually something else. The the really uh, certain way of doing it is to, to ask questions, uh, try and buy from locations and restaurants which will uh, put, I don't know, in Singapore so much, but around the world now, there's a real movement to label the source of the product and to, to indicate where it came from and its providence. And you could be fairly confident that an aquaculture product these days has a high level of sustainability associated with it too because the, the industry has really evolved quite dramatically over the 30 years that it's become industrial where the majority of, of farm species now are farmed in quite sustainable ways.
0: Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Green Pulse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. So in, here in Singapore, I mean, you brought up aquaculture and we know that um, Singapore is now really big on aquaculture or the rearing of fish, on prawns and tanks, on land or sea pens at sea. So what do you think is aquaculture going to be the answer to f- continue feeding the world?
2: It's part of the equation. Absolutely. As, as I mentioned over the last 30 years, the industry is, has grown now to supply 50% of the world seafood requirements and continues to grow at a rate of about 8% globally per year. Uh, in 30 years ago, very little seafood product, only around 10% was from aquaculture sources. So in 30 years, the industry has massively grown. And so it definitely is part of the equation for the solution because the requirements for animal-derived proteins globally continue to rise with the human population uh, growth, but also as uh, people become more wealthy, more affluent, their diet changes away from purely or more more um, heavily laden food sources from plants to that of animal protein. So the demand for animal protein will continue to grow quite a lot over the next up to 2050. And so aquaculture definitely can help fill that supply of nutritious animal protein for for the population.
0: So from the industrial perspective, the benefits of aquaculture is pretty clear. And as you mentioned, it could be big business. I think there was a report from the UNFAO that mentioned that global aquaculture production was worth more than US $260 billion in 2018. And I guess it's definitely increased since then. But can you just put into perspective for our listeners about the benefits of aquaculture to farmers or the men in the street?
2: Yeah, so the consistency of the product tends to be quite high uh, and the availability of the product is consistent. And that's one of the real advantages of aquaculture is, is around consistency of food security. And, you know, a recent example of where this may have um, been an issue, say for Singapore, was several years ago where uh, Malaysia decided they were going to stop selling their high-value seafood products, aquaculture products to, to, to Singapore. And Singapore had to, you know, look for other other options right and and so uh that that's some of the the benefits to the consumer but but the other benefits are seafood is actually quite healthy aquaculture is one of the most fastly evolving production industries for food it's only very young as i mentioned you know, maybe 1990 uh well I, I usually quote 1970 was the birth date essentially, of industrial-scale aquaculture. So the industry itself is less than 50 years old. And over that time, it has uh, evolved very quickly and learnt a lot from the other food production sectors and brought it into the industry to increase its uh, productivity, profitability and sustainability. And and so it definitely is a way by which we can buffer ourselves against climate change-induced impacts Uh, which may really impact, say, wild fisheries and and where how wild populations are affected. Grain production in many parts of the world is very susceptible to climate change-induced factors like flooding, uh, rising sea levels, saltwater incursion. So um, I think it is, as I mentioned before, aquaculture is not the solution, but it is a good fit in the equation to to us being able to feed the world in 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 the
1: future. But just turning to a different aspect of aquaculture, I mean, it, it doesn't have a pristine reputation either. It's better than, than us, for example, that there have been reports about how aquaculture farming can lead to habitat loss, mangroves, for example, to grow shrimps, um, pollution, the pollution from salmon farming. That's a big that's a big issue. Um, So, what are your thoughts on this? Can aquaculture be more environmentally friendly?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And aquaculture, as I mentioned, is evolving very quickly. And what is now aquaculture is not what aquaculture was even 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And this is sort of a a conversation I have to engage in quite regularly about the current perception of, of aquaculture and its environmental credentials. But it generally, it's based on what aquaculture might have been when it first started to develop uh, 20 years ago in Thailand and Vietnam. And, uh, yes, there was a lot of uh, lack of regulation and awareness of the environmental issues. And we, we can't, you know, move away from that history. But, but nowadays, like you look at aquaculture, say, in Australia, where actually it's world's best practice, it has a very low environmental footprint and can exist alongside management of the Great Barrier Reef, for instance, which is heavily impacted by any increased nutrient uh, loads. And aquaculture also is moving not so much uh, to those large, open, massive systems of production, like pond-based systems, which were in the past to now more enclosed systems where we're moving the indoors in, in controlled environments. We're moving ponds into covered environments where we capture the water, recycle it and reuse it to produce other products, or we are moving deep offshore where there's very little impact in terms of seabed um, waste product accumulation and things like that. So uh, it's a, you know, it's a, it's, it's an evolution that all food production systems have to go along and, and we're certainly racing along to become more and more sustainable. Uh, the last thing I'll mention too that's often put up is this this fish in fish out ratio that is sort of quoted erroneously in the Seaspiracy uh, documentary about how it takes 20 kilos, I think it was, of, of wild caught fish to produce one Kilogram of salmon. That was 1975. Now, it, the diets uh, rely on maybe 1.2 to 1.3 kilograms of fish meal to feed the salmon to produce one kilogram. And a large portion of that fish meal actually is not directly sourced from wild fisheries anymore. Some of it is, yes, admittedly, but a lot of the fish meal is reprocessing of, of fishery products. That have you know filleted fish, for instance or or you know waste waste fish that are not good for human consumption, you know they they get turned into this fish meal, and in some species actually we don 't even need to add fish meal anymore we we could, and we do have diets for say Asian sea bass and prawns which have no fish meal at all in them and and so the sustainability of the industry has massively improved since 1975.
1: Okay. Well, that's quite reassuring to hear. And I guess as technology evolves then the aquaculture will will only get more sustainable, one hopes. Um, so this kind of brings us to our last question, and it's a big picture simplistic question, but, um, but I think it's this sort of the answer that everybody would like to know. Um, can there still be plenty of fish in the sea and still meet mankind's growing appetite for fish and shellfish and pe- keep people in jobs. I mean, I think in globally, the fishing industry, I think 60 million people uh, rely on it. And that's a huge number, right? You can't just um, tell them, sorry, we're not eating fish and you don't have a job anymore. That's just, that's just not really very realistic.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. It's, uh, we can be idealistic about you know something, but there is a, a real social reality. To just about everything that we, you know, we are concerned about, there can be still plenty of fish in the sea. And I think what you'll find is that over time, the optics in relation to certain practices on the the open oceans and the harvest of fishery species which might not be considered sustainable will improve. And we're seeing a lot more. Creation of marine protected areas and 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 reserves, which are critical to helping um, supplement the populations of fishery species out in where they're harvested, and you're seeing aquaculture actually continue to grow at a massive rate to fuel that demand for seafood product, and Furthermore, we're even seeing new products like cellular based meats, which may not even require us to be out in the ocean harvesting the uh, wild product in, in the future. And so there will be choices. And one thing I sort of took out of the Sea Seaspiracy documentary, ultimately, is that you can act emotively uh, on a documentary, which presents facts in a certain way which you know many argue aren't linked and really we're cherry picking uh, issues but it should come down to the consumer to educate themselves properly and be aware of what they're eating and where it comes from and I think that's where people in Singapore and Asia and more broadly need if they're concerned about this they shouldn't just stop eating fish they should make an informed choice on what fish they will eat. And you can be 100% certain if you're in Singapore down at the hawker stalls or, you know, top of Marina Bay at the restaurant and you order Asian sea bass or salmon or or shrimp or tilapia, it comes from aquaculture. It's not from a wild fishery anymore.
0: So thank you, Dean, for joining us today from Australia. We hope to see you in Singapore soon.
2: My pleasure. I look very much forward to getting back to Singapore, getting to hawker stalls and eating some sustainable Asian sea bass.
0: Well, that's a wrap for Green Pulse and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. For more on climate change and the environment, do check out our stories in The Straits Times. And don't forget to subscribe to our Green Pulse podcast series on your favourite audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times.